So brothers and sisters, this afternoon let's consider Psalm 1. Over the next several weeks in our evening or otherwise afternoon service, my thought is uh, to spend some weeks uh, returning to the Psalms. Uh, last time we it was pointed out that as a psalm singing church, we really do need to give focus to the Psalms uh, in our study of God's Word. And uh, last month we started with Psalm 22, and we did so for two reasons. First, because Psalm 22 is one of the clearest psalms for understanding that the psalms speak of Christ. Second, because Psalm 22 was our psalm of the month, and uh, at least a portion of it we sang uh, in Psalm 22a uh, for the month of September. But otherwise, if we're going to start a series, a long or short, of, of sermons on the Psalms, we, we very well ought to start with Psalm 1. Psalm 1 serves as an introduction to the book of Psalms. I want to make that point uh, this, morning, or this afternoon. And did you know that the book of Psalms is uh, itself divided into five separate books? Uh, I find it interesting that we have 66 books in our Bibles, uh, but that if we divided the book of Psalms into five books, so that maybe we would refer to 1st Psalms and 2nd Psalms and 3rd Psalms and so forth, um, we would then have 70 books uh, in, our, in our Bibles. And we talked somewhat recently about the significance of the number 70. But from my perspective, the division of the Psalms into five books belongs a bit more to the scholars, I would say. Uh, There is a a plethora of scholarly material devoted to understanding why the the Psalms are organized and ordered as they are, and why each of the five books of the Psalms are gathered or collected as they are. In the meantime... We just like reading the Psalms, right? Uh, the scholarly study is, is not without interest and merit, but in the meantime, uh, it seems to me we just enjoy reading and, of course, singing the Psalms. And yet I do think that it can be helpful and, and, uh, and necessary to look at, at Psalm 1 as Psalm 1. Uh, in other words, it's interesting and helpful I think, to consider why Psalm 1 stands at the beginning. Psalm 1 speaks of blessedness. In fact, the first word of Psalm 1, and therefore the first word of the book of Psalms, uh, is the word blessed. The book of Genesis is named by its opening words. Genesis means beginning, and, uh, and the opening words of the book of Genesis are in the beginning. In a similar way, perhaps the book of Psalms could have been, could have been named blessed or, uh, or blessing or even blessedness. And, uh, and that has been the experience of many believers throughout the many centuries. The Psalms are uh, a blessing to those who read them and, again, who sing them. And so it is, I think, and, and, and not just me, but many others who have studied the Psalms in depth, uh, that Psalm 1 is referring to all the Psalms that follow, to the 149 Psalms that come after Psalm 1. 
Blessed is the man who reads and meditates upon these writings. In this way, the book of Revelation even follows the book of Psalms. When it says in Revelation 1 verse 3, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. These are not the very first words of Revelation, but they are words that come early in the book of Revelation, and they would seem to mirror uh, or follow the pattern of Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. However, the statement of blessedness really comes after a description of what the blessed man is not. So that the very first point is the walk of wickedness. First point this afternoon is the walk of wickedness. Psalm 1 begins, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. It's hard to miss all the action words uh, in this verse. Uh, first, there is walking. Then there is standing. Finally, there is sitting. And the description being given by way of these action words, we might say, is, is of the wicked and of the one who is not blessed. First, he is walking. The equation is often made uh, between walking and living. In Scripture, and even in many cultures, life in, in this world is often understood as a journey. Life is movement, and not just movement, but forward movement. The problem, of course, is that so many people are walking, they are living, but they don't know where they are going. It's been pointed out uh, before here that there are really only three basic questions that people are asking and, and trying to answer in life. Number one, who am I? Number two, why am I? Or why am I here? What is my purpose? And number three, where am I going? Take away a definitive answer to any one of those three questions, and people are unsettled at best. At worst, they are panicky, filled with anxiety, and given to despair. So here, God's word, it really is dealing with the third question. Where am I going? Uh, people just understand that they are on this journey. So, so long as they are alive, they are on the journey of life. They are walking. In Psalm 1, the psalmist is, is speaking to this matter. And, uh, and the warning is, give, is given that those who walk, those who live, according to the counsel of the wicked, are not blessed. Which teaches us, does it not, that we never walk alone, and we never walk simply according to our own wisdom. Here we see how our, our, our culture affects us uh, through trends and, and fads and philosophies. In fact, that's what advertising is. 
as it appeals to an innate desire within us to be like others, to to be in company with others, to have what others have, a violation perhaps of the Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet. Or short of that, the the desire to to belong, to to fit in, to relate to the, the greater whole. And so since our whole economy is based on advertising, so the the economists tell us, then the bottom line is, to use an economic term, uh, the bottom line is that uh, our entire culture and society is really based on the counsel of others. And I think that's worth thinking about. But it all happens as we're walking, we're living. But according to whose counsel? Are we walking? Some might try to say, uh, I follow my own wisdom. Uh, Was it Frank Sinatra who sang, I did it my way? Maybe it was Dean Martin. Uh, I make my own way in life. Uh, I follow my own wisdom. But that's, that's just not true. We are all followers to one degree or another. The, the only real question is, who are we following? Whose counsel are we listening to? And it makes sense then that the next uh, action word is the word stands. Blessed is, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. This doesn't mean getting in their way, standing in the way of sinners, but, but standing along the path, standing in the way of sinners. In that sense, there is, there is actually a, a kind of reverse uh, a reverse in logic here, because I, I think we 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 tend to uh, to think of sitting and then standing and then walking. If if in our mind's eye uh, we can we can think of this, it's usually that a person is sitting and then they stand up and then they start walking. But uh, but it's the opposite here, and I I think it's on purpose. First, the man is walking again because walking means living. And everyone is living and therefore walking. But when he walks in the counsel of the wicked, he will soon be standing. On one hand, standing still, we might see, uh, as, if to, as if to convey, wait a minute, where am I going anyway? The older we get, the more we do this, right? Uh, if your spouse finds you standing in the kitchen with a blank look on your face, it's probably because you went in there and then you forgot why you went in there. That would seem to be the same sort of standing in verse 1. You're, you're walking, but, but you, you don't really know where you're going. And so you stand still, perhaps, and you do so with a blank look on your face. And, and for the one who is walking in the counsel of the wicked, standing still is simply for the sake of waiting for the next trend, uh, for the next fad, for the next group of people to pass by and to join in with. The one who is walking in the counsel of the wicked will find himself standing, waiting, looking for someone or something to follow. But finally, the one who walks in the counsel of the wicked will sit down, and uh, that person will sit in the seat of scoffers, we are told. Scoffing is the 
is the natural outcome of walking in the counsel of the wicked and then standing in the way of sinners because eventually you must either admit that you are lost and have no idea where you are truly going. And that's humiliating. No one likes to be humiliated. Or you have to start scoffing. Scoffing at anyone who thinks they do know where they are going. Mocking those who just keep walking but even more scoffing at those who are walking with purpose and with hope and and even with joy, those who are truly on their way somewhere. The scoffer may not even know where others are going, but they can tell that some others are going somewhere. And rather than admit that they don't know where they are going, they scoff. You fool, they say. Don't you know that no one really knows where they are going or where any of this is headed? Christians are those who know. Christians are those who know. Maybe they forget once in a while or even for a season, but but believers in Christ know where they are going. And it shows by how they walk. It shows because they do not stand with that blank look on their face, and they certainly do not sit in the seat of scoffers. Instead, as verse 2 says, their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. Here is one of those verses of Scripture that makes our heart sink. Oh, but I don't do that, we think to ourselves. And sometimes we don't do it for good reason, because the household chores just keep piling up. Uh, The boss demands so many hours of our time, and the lawn never stops growing, and you can't keep your eyes open at bedtime beyond a, a short reading of God's Word. But there is a clue here to help us not despair. It says of the blessed man that his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. If you take that literally, in the sense that we tend to want to take it, I think, thus making our hearts sink, (laughs) then it seems to be calling us to be in the Word of God 24-7, as we say. But that can't possibly be the case because God has put us in this world to work. Now you can carry a a pocket Bible with you, and uh, you can pull it out when you're waiting for a train in Terre Haute, uh, or at break time at work, or when the kids finally settle down for a nap. All well and good. But the point is not that every hour and every second of every day we must be giving uh, ourselves over to uh, meditation upon God's Word with our Bibles open in front of us. It means instead that, that even as we walk, even as we work, we do so without forgetting. But as we remember, and what must we remember? Who we are, why we're here, and where we are going. Now, let's not miss the point. Even doing this <laughs> takes much time spent in God's Word. On the, on the, on the level of entry, it's, it's about being together with, 
with God's people each Lord's Day, even as we are now. Each Lord's Day we gather to hear the Word of God proclaimed and to meditate together upon the Word and, and, there, and therefore to reorient ourselves, or better said, to be reoriented by God. And that tends to happen, I think, whether we realize it or not, that, that we are here being reset a church on the Lord's Day is the matter of, of being returned to our default settings as Christians after a week of living, potentially being corrupted uh, in the world. And to do so before we spend another week living in the world. Because the world will disorient us. Uh, the world will distract us. The world will lead us astray by its counsel so that we need to be reset each Lord's Day. But how much better to be in the Word every day? How much better to carry a pocket Bible and and even hope to get caught by a train? Uh, And that's the call of Psalm 1 as well, with with the key word being delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. We we do the things in which we delight. Uh, Someone loves baseball, so they... They never miss a game of their favorite team. Someone loves current events, so they watch the news and and want to know what's going on. And we all love food, right? So so that we never miss a meal and we keep the cupboard stocked with snacks. You do what you delight in. But the Christian faith is a discipline. So that if you don't delight in God's Word, and of course none of us delight in God's Word to the degree that we should, well, what then? Well, we can pray for it, and and we can practice for it, we might say. And it does take effort, and it will bring failure. Only let our delight be shown first in this, that we keep praying and we keep practicing, even in the face of failure. We get up again, and we go at it again, and we do so exactly because we know how blessed we have been, how blessed we are, and how blessed we will be by God in Christ and by our faith in Him. Which brings us to this final point, that as much as Psalm 1 warns us against walking, standing, and sitting in sin, as much as Psalm 1 calls us to meditate upon God's Word day and night, yet the warning is so dire and the calling is so high that our hearts really should sink. And as our hearts sink under conviction for sin, we ought to recognize that the man of Psalm 1 is really Christ himself. There is a reason why Psalm 1 does not say, blessed are those, or blessed are they. Instead, it says, blessed is the man. And we need to see that that man is Christ. We can begin to see this, as we already have, in the, in the warning against the wicked, because how much have we already in our lives, walked according to the counsel of the wicked? How often have we been caught up in the trends and the fads and the philosophies of this world? 
Not that every trend or fad is, is wrong, but when our delight is more in the, in the things of this world, the stuff of this earth, rather than in the Word of God and in fellowship with Christ as our Savior King, then, then we, we feel a right conviction, at least we should. And we can begin to see that, that the blessed man is Christ by the, by the call to delight in the law of God, to meditate on God's Word day and night. Here is a standard that we do not meet. And try as we might, we will not meet this high standard yet in this life. But we can see that the blessed man of Psalm 1 is Christ most clearly in the middle of the psalm. When it says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, even more that yields its fruit in its season. So far we just have a healthy tree doing what it should be doing. And that certainly applies to us. We, we should be like a tree planted by streams of water. The water is being uh, the Word of God and, and even the waters being the food and the drink and the shelter and the clothing and all the blessings that God sends us, His light, His air, uh, the land, all that God provides so that we can bear fruit in season. But then it says this most curiously, its leaf does not wither in all that he does, he prospers. Not only is that a terribly high standard, making our hearts sink under conviction, it is finally an impossible standard. It's a bit of scripture that fits with the law of God, his law and his law that says, obey and you shall live, disobey and you will die. His law that says you must be perfect as your heavenly father is, is perfect. His law that says no one will be justified by works of the law. Therefore, we have a beautiful picture of Christ. And, and who is Christ? He is the one who throughout all his life did not walk, did not live in the counsel of the wicked. He even faced Satan himself in his wilderness temptation, hearing the counsel of wickedness, but walking still according to the word of God. He, he is the one who did not stand in the way of sinners, nor did he seat, sit in the seat of scoffers. To the contrary, he is the one who was scoffed at. He is the one whose delight was always in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditated day and night. He is the one with one with a capital O. He is the one. Christ is the man of Psalm 1. Therefore, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. He is seated forever at the right hand of the Father, and he's given authority to pour out blessing on his people. He yields his fruit in its season, but even more, he is the tree whose leaf does not wither. Here we are in the middle of autumn, or at least the beginning of it. The leaves are withering, they're beginning to fall to the ground. The, the produce is on the vine or in the stalk, and if it's not, it's too late. It's, nothing more is going to come. But Christ is the tree, you see, whose leaf does not wither. And in all he does, he prospers. 
in all that he does, he prospers. Can that be said of any other man than Christ? Granted, it's a call for us to to do likewise, to walk not according to the counsel of the wicked, or to stand in the way of sinners, or to sit in the sea of scoffers, but, but instead to delight ourselves in the word of God and to meditate upon God's word day and night. It's a call to us, to be sure. But is the rest of Psalm 1 just poetic inspiration for us? Just inspiration in the superlative? In all that he does, he prospers. No, this, this is Christ. Even more, this is, this is Christ for you and for me. The point is not just to see Christ in his obedience, in all his faithfulness, in all his holiness. If that were the case, we would only be condemned all the more. The point is to see that Christ succeeded exactly where we fail and that this is our hope. Christ is for us. Uh, Christ is the man of Psalm 1. And he is the man of Psalm 1 for us. That by his obedience and faithfulness and perfection, we might be saved. Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you that from beginning to end, your word is uh, the proclamation of a Savior for us, and that his name is Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the man of Psalm 1. He is the man who did it all and did it all perfectly, and he is the one who is now a tree, uh, one who lives forever, one who will never die, one whose leaf does not wither, and that his produce Uh, is for us, that he produces or has produced for us all that we need, even unto eternal life. May we look to him in faith and trust in him for what he provides even more. As we do look to him as an example, may we again know our weakness and our sinfulness, but may we do, may we indeed strive on and uh, seek to Uh, to be as Christ was as he walked this earth and as he is uh, even now. Thank you for this portion of your word. May we uh, take it to heart. May it uh, bring any needed change in us uh, in in this very day and in this coming week. We commit ourselves to you in the name of Christ. We do so uh, for his sake as we pray these things in his name. Amen.